Well, hey there. It's Coach Tim, Tim O'Keefe, and here we are on another podcast. I am with a wonderful guest today, and I'm excited especially because this gentleman is another one of my teammates from the University of Pacific. He uh, is another one of the bastion of coaching that came out of that era that's just unbelievable. Uh, he is the first high school coach that I'm uh, re- recording and interviewing. His name is Scott Morrison. And, Scotty, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I uh, appreciate you considering me. Um, honored to be here. Well, I, I thought of you. I, we're, I, I think we went back and forth. And uh, actually, I think I saw your name up there with uh, with Coach Seaman, who's uh, with the Cleveland Browns, and he they were in town, and you actually went and, and and hung out with them, so that's really cool. But I saw that on Facebook. I thought, well, God, I want to get Coach Seaman, but I also I want to get Scott because I just re- I you know we haven't stayed in super touch over the years, but. I just know. I know. I remember back when, and and over the years when we have talked about certain stuff, uh, you just. I just knew you're the kind of guy I got to have on this. And so, what I, I'd first like to do is uh, is kind of go through from high school to how you got to where you are, and I'll let you explain where you are. So, where did you go to high school in JC? And of course, you went to Pacific. So, how, how, what's your path? I went to Damien High School in Laverne, California. Um, yep. From there, went to Citrus Junior College. That was before you had to have a two-year degree to, to bounce. So I uh, played two years of football there and, and one year of baseball and then uh, transferred up to, to UOP in January of my sophomore year um, and then played uh, two years of football up there and one year of baseball. Very cool. I, I wasn't aware of the baseball. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. So then from there you decided what, that I'm going to be a coach, or did you always know you are going to be a coach? How does that happen? It's, it's, um, it's like most of us, I just kind of uh, stumbled into this thing. Um, I was actually, you talked about Coach Seaman. I was I was reminding him um, that probably 32 years ago, uh, he had pulled me aside uh, at a practice and, and basically suggested that I should get into this crazy business called coaching. And I literally laughed at him and told him, not a chance. I see what you guys go through. And um, the, uh, the path to becoming a coach was literally getting tired of interviewing in a suit and tie and, and not really finding anything that, that kind of tickled my fancy and, and um, bumped into my high school baseball coach, Lou Cassell, um, actually during a, a Pacific baseball weekend. Uh, we were in Southern California, and, and I went over and watched my old high school play, and we chatted for a bit, and he asked me what I was going to do, and I told him I'd been interviewing for all these, you know, in those days, everybody was interviewing with Bartles and James. You might remember that. Uh, yep. 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 Uh, but you know, it was Bartles and James and everybody else. And, and, uh, just nothing really struck a chord with me. And so Lou said, Hey, why don't you come here and coach? And I knew that coaching was a stipend position. And I said, you know, I got to make a living. I can't go back and live with mom and dad. And he said, well, why don't you <laughs> teach too? You know? And I said, well, gosh, I don't, I don't know anything about teaching. And, so, you know, fast forward about two and a half months, and I'm sitting in the principal's office, and, and uh, the principal says, do you want to teach history or do you want to teach English? And uh, I said, I think I'd rather teach history. And uh, he said, well, I'm interviewing a basketball guy for a history position. If he works out, you'll do English. If not, you'll do history. And, um, of course, that basketball guy is now a very good friend of mine as well, Rick Winter, um, runs a big uh, – the North Bay Basketball Academy in uh, – in, um, Northern California, but wow. uh, so you know, basically, I stumbled into being an English teacher, and you know, in, in the Catholic schools, um, we weren't required to have um, credentials in those days. In fact, we weren't even required to have uh, a master's degree. Um, so I I, that, that's where I got my start. And uh, the same guy, Lucasell, uh, told me before I even started, just remember this and never forget it. And I haven't. Uh, he said, you have to give everything two years. 
Um, so I gave it two years, and here I am 30 years later still doing the same thing. So That's interesting. you got to give everything two years, meaning what, just as a coach or just in life or, or what? I, I, think it was more, I think it was more life advice, kind of that idea of, you know, you, you go around once and you have a lot of experiences, but the second time around, many of those experiences are not first-time experiences anymore, and and you, you know, uh, identify skills and strategies to, to deal with those things that, that uh, you might have struggled with in the, the first go-around. Um, and, you know, it, I, I've found in, in just about everything that I've, that I've done that two years is a pretty good gauge for me. If, if I, um, you know, if I go two years in, in something and, and it's not working out after two years and I'm still just as miserable as I was the first time around or whatever else, then it's probably time to move on. But uh, what I have found is that the second time around is usually uh, it's usually a lot smoother than the first one. So, Well, I, it seems like it takes a year just to figure out what's screwed up, what works and what needs fixing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so where are you at right now? I am the head football coach at uh, Santiago High School in Corona, California. And you went in there in 2015, correct? Tell, tell, you told me uh, when we first talked, you told me a neat story. Can you share that? Um, which story? Well, <laughs> sorry. Uh, you, you said it, it, you took over uh, a, a, a team that was not used to winning. Well, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say not used to winning. It's just a different culture. Um, you know, I think, I think anytime leadership changes, there's an automatic change in culture. And, mm. um, and uh, you know, quite, I, have, I have tons of respect for the man that I replaced. He's, he's still in the Inland Empire. And, in fact, just won a CIF championship uh, at, at his new school. Uh, he's a, a very, very good coach, a great offensive mind. Um, you know, but the fact is that, that the culture that I brought was different than the culture that, that I inherited. And, uh, you know, so we kind of went on a journey of, of, um, changing culture and, and, uh, the first year it was mostly, uh, uh, redefining, uh, how we were going to go about things and, and how we were going to look at things, um, from the, um, you know, administration all the way down to, you know, the the support personnel within the football program. And, well, how would you how would you uh, define culture? What what is culture on a football team? Well, I think it's fluid, but it's it's certainly um, not much different than culture in any organization. Um, you know, a healthy culture is one that's that's growing. It's one that uh, that all hands are on deck and um, you know all kind of understand their their role the success of the organization and um, you know that's that you know we're, we're striving for a healthy culture um, you know and, and again I, I'm you know where I kind of differ from some guys in my business is, is um, you know we're not a, a star driven culture uh, we certainly like to celebrate the successes of our players and, and when we have really good players we want them to be really good and to get a lot of attention um, but we don't like that, that attention to come from within the organization at the um, expense of other guys who maybe aren't as talented. Um, and, and I think sometimes in, in this business, you know, you get that really good dynamic player and he gets a lot of attention and, you know, the, the people don't, uh, you know, he kind of gets his own space in the locker room. He gets a lot of latitude with you know, <laughs> team rules and those kind of things. And, and it even happens, I think, at our level to some extent. Um, you know, so we've just tried really hard and, and I think, um, you know, are, are moving in a good direction with, with putting the team first. And, and I guess that would be the, the cliche of our culture, but I think it goes much deeper than that. That's interesting. Uh, it, so where does... Where does that come from? You know, you just don't like all of a sudden snap your fingers and say, <clears throat> "This is my culture." <laughs> I deem it so, right? You, well, it, yeah. it, 
Is it from your experience? Is it from your uh, set of values or philosophies? You sat down one day and did a John Wooden Scott's uh, Pyramid of Success. How, where, where does that come from? I, I would say the answer to that is yes, and all of those things. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've been in this business for 30 years, um, 19 of them as a head coach, and you know, when you're when you're an assistant coach, um, it's really easy to have all the right answers, and it's really easy to believe that you could do better, and it's really easy that, you know, to to say you would do this situation or handle that that one a little bit differently or or whatever. But when you're put into that position where, you know, you're the one that's responsible for the culture of the organization. Um, you know, you fall on your face a lot, and and quite frankly, um, you know, I've I've uh, I've swung and missed on, on plenty of, uh, of um, coaching fronts, um, but I would say that probably my experience in my job immediately before this one at, at La Puente High School and, and Workman before that, uh, you know, I, I really kind of started getting this sense that uh, it's bigger than X's and O's, um, it's bigger than Johnny's and Joe's, uh, it, you know, this this is... Um, an avenue, I guess, where we can really influence lives. And, um, you know, I've done tons of reading. I read lot, uh, lots of stuff on, um, you know, the, the, the successful head coaches in our business. Urban Meyer's stuff is great. Um, I'm looking right now at Bo Schembechler's book on my, uh, on my uh, bookshelf. I've also read a lot of things from, um, you know, the, the TED Talks stuff with Simon Sinek and, and different things. And, and yeah. um, again, kind of going back to the culture piece, you know, yes, this is now the culture that I believe in. And um, I've probably believed wholeheartedly in it for 15 of the 19 years and um, never been totally sure how to um, – integrate it into uh, an organization that is really just um, fun. You know, I mean, it, it, we're like the YMCA at the end of the day. You know, we, our kids come to us because they, they want to play a game. Um, but it's a great opportunity for us, the coaches, the men in the lives of these guys, that, um, you know, we have an opportunity to, to influence the kind of people they're going to be when, the, when, when they're done with us and when we're done with them. And, um, so that's really what we're trying to build culture-wise is, is, you know, we want our young players to recognize that, um, you know, life is about depending on others and being dependable and, um, you know, having uh, an appreciation for accountability. Uh, we talk all the time about our two, you know, the two most important abilities that a guy can have are availability and accountability. Um, you know, you might be the, the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. You might be able to jump the highest or run the farthest and and, and fastest. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're unavailable and unaccountable, you're not going to be successful. Um, so, you know, we're we're in the in the throngs of building a culture based on accountability and availability. You, you touched on the that that you're coaching kids. Uh, I can't remember your words, how you said it, but you, you, you went through it kind of quickly. But I just want to dive into it a little bit, and that is that you, uh, you're, you're coaching. I don't know if this is how you said it, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you said you're coaching kids beyond the game. Oh. It's for life. Did I, am I is that true? Yeah, I, th- I, I mean, you certainly hope so. I, I mean, uh, honestly, Tim, think back at you know the, the number of football games that you played in. How many actual games and plays of the thousands that you played in do you remember? I, I mean, I certainly remember a catch against Minnesota, and, and uh, yes. you know, I remember my first college touchdown, and I remember you know, a lot of those things, but, but I equally remember the times in the locker room, the life lessons that my coaches taught me, the, the grind to get through the physical pain and all of those things have, have transitioned and, and or not transitioned, not the right word, but all those things have kind of built who I've become and what my outlook on life is. And, and gosh, if, if I can be a small part of that and, and, uh, you know, a young man's life, then uh, mission accomplished no matter how many games we win. 
Well, you know, really quickly, I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> There's uh, a lot of guys, you know, they little old Pacific, which unfortunately doesn't have football anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at one time was coached by Amos Alonzo Stagg, and I was telling some friends, younger coaches, about this Who's Amos Alonzo Stagg? And I go, well, he's was, you know, he's the guy that Bear Bryant broke the most winningest coaching record in college. Who's Bear Bryant? And I'm like, oh my god, I know I'm getting old. So, <laughs> so anyway, at one point, and I actually heard John Wooden uh, uh, tell this story, and I looked it up at one point uh, where Stagg was asked uh, after a very successful season. He was asked by the press, what do you think of your kid's success? And he says, I won't know for another 20 years. 20 years. Yep. Heard that story. <laughs> so, I've told that story. What's that? I said, I've told that story. Have you? It's a great, it's, it's a great, it's a great standard bearer, you know, for, for coaching that we're, we're supposed to be doing this, uh, for, for bigger reasons beyond just a, a W, but um, that's uh, I love that story and and uh, and uh, it it kind of when you think of the long term it kind of drives the the value system down through you know really into the system into the process the right way and um, so that's why I love I love telling it um, so. Let me get it uh, into here. So why to you then is, uh, why do you coach? Um, you know, it's it's kind of become a, a part of who and what I am at, at this point. You know, how I stumbled into it is, is one thing. Um, quite frankly, after, um, I don't know, six or seven years in the business, I kind of decided I was here to stay and, and, um, you know, went and did all the official paperwork that you have to do to be a teacher in the state of California. Um, that's a whole different podcast now. But honestly, um, probably when I first started, uh, especially when I first started as a head coach, when I knew that this was going to be my path, um, I probably coached a lot for me quite frankly. And, and I think that's probably something that, that a lot of young coaches in my, in my estimation, a mistake that a lot of young coaches make is, you know, you're, you're counting your wins, um, you know, trying to win championships, trying to hang a banner and, and all of those kind of things. And um, those things not being important doesn't mean that, that, you know, we're not driven. Um, we're not competitors. Um, I, I think I've, I've come to a point in my career where what brings me back every single year is, um, you know, two things. One is a recognition that we can be better. Um, no, no matter how good or bad the year was last year in terms of wins and losses and playoffs and all those kind of things, um, there's just a sense every year that we can do this better. Um, and, and two is, you know, you, you get a chance to see the impact uh, you, you don't see it in the classroom. I taught English for 23 years, four walls, self-contained classroom. Um, you know, of those thousands of kids that I taught in English over all those years, I, I may have had three or four actually come back and say, hey, at some point, you know, after they were done with school, um, you know, I've been coaching football for 30 years, and every year, um, you know, I get five to ten guys that come back just to yeah. drop in and say, hey. And, and um, you know, you see the the young men that they've become. And now um, uh, and I'm proud to say that I've actually coached uh, two females. They just are graduating out of our, our program this year. Great young, young ladies that are destined for success in their lives. And, you know, so as I move forward, there's going to be hopefully guys and gals coming back to say, Hey, and, and you get to see how they've grown up and the kind of people they've become. And, and like I said earlier, you know, I've, if I've had some tiny little small part in that, that's, that's certainly reward enough. Um, so I guess that's why. Um, so it's, there's a, there's a positive that you, you get gratification through your work, knowing that you're making a difference 
in these young uh, young adults' lives. Yeah. Yeah, you know, certainly hoping, um, and 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 there's um, there's evidence that that it's it's transpiring, you know, and and it, there's not immediate evidence, but uh, like I said. Um, you know, people talk in the teaching profession, much like Amos Alonzo Stagg, we won't know for 20 years, and, and usually it's not because they came back and told us. And, um, and I can honestly say that, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it, and, and we have guys come back every year. I have guys connect with me on Facebook every year. I have you know, people hunt me down that I, that I coached, um, you know, and, and, and had some small influence on. Uh, great story. Um, guy that I coached actually in baseball uh, millions of years ago, um, uh, probably 15 years after he graduated, called me completely out of the blue um, and, and said to me, Coach, I just want to say thanks. Now, this was a guy who was a pain in the neck, uh, didn't like that the rules applied to him, didn't like that when he didn't perform, he didn't play. Um, left our program, it was a baseball program, but left our program pretty uptight with the, the way his senior season went. Um, and he called me 15 years later and he said, hey, coach, I just want to thank you. Um, I, I never realized how hard your job was and, and never realized how much respect I owed you and never showed you. Um, and oh. so I'm calling to thank you and, and, and you did make a difference in my life. Um, oh. I'll never forget that. And to be honest with you, He's probably he's probably forgotten he made that call, but uh, but I'll never forget that, and and that was again one of those meaningful things that that kind of just keeps you coming back. It's like hitting a great golf shot, even though you shot 108, you know. Well, you know, and and I, it's I don't know. There was something probably about five probably five years out when I was you know in the real world. I contacted some of my coaches and either wrote them a letter formally or, or, uh, or just wrote, and it was whoever was on my heart. It wasn't like, you know, I, it, these are the best ever. It's just I, something thought, I thought of and I emailed them or not email. I'm sorry. They didn't have it back then, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I mailed them or, or, or even called some of them and, and, uh, and, I'm so glad I did that because what you just said, I mean, you don't always get the, the thank yous, you know, right. and um, not that you're doing it looking for that. It's just kind of, hey, it, it, it's made, it's, there's, there's a reason. I always thought there was a reason I was doing this, that I was doing good, you know, and, uh, and this kid just proved it. And mm-hmm. so... That's that's beautiful, bro. Um, that's uh, man. That's uh, and I've had those moments too. Believe it or not, even from yeah. youth youth kids that <laughs> that are in the real world now and reach out to me through uh, through Facebook and just hit you know give me a a thing of thanks and and you just it, it just it, you're blown away. You didn't know maybe you had that much impact. Um, but I, I do believe that it's not just 20 years out, like Stag says, but I think, you know, there's that line where uh, during practice or, 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 you know, during instruction, there's, there's, there's so many uh, teachable moments that present themselves. And I've always counseled to, to coaches that I'm working with that, you know, if we can just, we're not always going to get all of them, but we can get a few of them. And if we just get a few of them, we're doing better than what we were. And, and we could use that, that example to, to propel uh, the player forward. And to me, the biggest high that I get out of coaching, and it's always comes, it seems like when I'm the most frustrated, where I'm like, questioning <laughs> everything I've ever believed in, right? And, and yeah. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Johnny just has this aha light bulb moment, and he gets it, you know, and you're like, oh, that's awesome, you know, it just makes it all worth it, right? No question. Yeah. Um, so, right now, in 2017, going into 2018, uh, San Diego had a pretty good year, right? You, the kids are bought in. 
they bought into the culture, they bought into your philosophy through your leadership that you've instilled down through your organization, through your coaching. They're all good soldiers. How, how much, uh, and, and I think this is probably a management style uh, for everybody, uh, but in your world of management, with your team as a head coach, as, as the CEO of your organization, mm-hmm. how do you instill, how do you program into your team that, uh, that culture? Is there definitive things that your coaches have got to do? Is it, do you leave it up to them through their own talent and, and abilities to communicate it? How, how, how do you play that out, if I can ask? Yeah, again, it's, you know, the, again, the answer to that is yes. Um, you know, as the, as the CEO, um, you know, I, I, again, kind of a Simon Sinek thing, but, uh, and I don't know if you, you follow John Gordon who's another guy I, uh, I follow on Twitter and, and, and he's a great kind of organizational motivational kind of guy. And, um, you know, one of the things he talks about is, is that, you know, the leader sets the vision. Um, but, but the vision has to be carried out by someone who believes in the vision and, um, you know, so I've been very fortunate here um, in that uh, I've got a great staff of men who, who, you know, believe in the vision that I've brought to the school and, um, and are, you know, uh, equipped and prepared to, um, you know, help realize that vision. And there's certainly, you know, challenges along the way, but, uh, but you know, I, we start Every year we start in January. In fact, you know, before uh, we started this thing, I was working on my uh, agenda for my coaches meeting on January 16th and working on some calendar stuff, uh, just trying to be prepared for that. Um, you know, the first thing that I do in every every first meeting of the year is is reiterate the vision. Um, the vision is a working document, so it's not just like I cookie cutter it and, and paste it up there again for next year. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time kind of looking at the vision and, and uh, the mission and uh, what our core values are, just like you would in any, in any effective, uh, successful business organization. And, and then, uh, you know, we, we start off with, uh, you know, really more chemistry sessions. We don't talk a lot of X's and O's in the first couple of meetings. Um, most of it is, you know, how are we doing on our vision? Um, do we need to make adjustments to the mission statement? Uh, are we living our core values? Um, you know, what ways can we do those things better? Um, and, and then, you know, handing that off to the position coaches, um, you know, it's, it's now your thing to, to, uh, to build within your position group. Um, now, is that – stop you for one second. Is that – uh, are those is, – is that vision and core values, are those mutual – or is that Scott, Coach Scott Morrison dropping it, and this is what I want to see done? The, it is, um, again, the answer is yes. You know, I have my, my vision. I have my core values. I have the things that I think should be important. Um, I share those with my coaches, and we talk about those things. And, you know, I'm fortunate that now I'm, I'm working on three years with most of our staff. And, and so, you know, the, the first meeting – this year is way different than the first meeting the first year. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, but uh, you know, because now we've we've worked together to establish the vision of the program. We've worked together to establish a, a working and and living mission statement. We've worked to establish our core values. Um, we'll we'll revisit those in that first meeting. We'll discuss those from the standpoint of uh, you know, do we need to uh, adjust? or realign, um, you know, the reality is I would say that, that at this point it's more, um, you know, let's get back to the, to the business of remembering why we do this. And, and it's hard, you know, I say it's a game, but it's a pretty important one for us. And, and, um, you know, we get into the game season and, and most of our meeting time is spent breaking down our opponent and preparing game plans and scouting reports and, you know, um, drawing up playoff scenarios and, all that kind of stuff, and and uh, we don't get a lot of opportunity to really do this, um, you know, good organizational work, and and so that's what we'll do in January. And um, you know, again, I'm I'm fortunate that our our 
our assistant coaches believe in the vision that I've brought. Um, they, they have had their hand in the mission statement and the core values. And, and I, so I, I would say it's, a, it's something that we all uh, believe in. Um, you know, is it my thing exclusively? No. Um, was it inspired by the things that are important to me? Yes. And I think you find that to be true in, in any organization that has a leader. Well, and you probably, not probably, I'm sure you hired guys that share the same value system as you, or they wouldn't have been brought on. So certainly tried to, you know, the, the, the challenge yeah. at the high school level is, you know, it's not like I'm given a, I'm given a pool of money to, to pay these guys. <laughs> most of them are, you know, most of them are coming from their day jobs and, and, um, right. It's, it's a challenge for them. Um, but you know the, the the reality is that um, getting hired is not as hard as as staying hired is what I would say. Um, you uh, know, in our in our program, um, you know, there's there's often an opening here or there, and and um, you know people aren't banging the door down to go coach at, at a high school place unless you're you know one of the top two or three in the country, and and they'll do it for free. But but we don't have that, um, you know, so. So, you know, it's not uncommon for me to, to interview a guy one time, say, yeah, I got a pretty good feel and let's give this a whirl and, and find out over the course of the season that maybe it's not working and, and we have to go in a different direction. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I've been fortunate with this group. Uh, I, like I said, the, the vast majority of our coaches have been with me for the whole three years that I've been here. And, um, and in fact, one of them came with me. Um, so he's actually been with me for – uh, I've known him for over 30 years, but uh, but he's been with me for uh, about seven. So, so let me ask you this. Okay, so it's great. Now you got the you got the vision, you got the values, the mission statement, you got the uh, the the uh, the the. I was trying to think of a fancy word for the assistant coaches, but yeah, <laughs> you have the uh, um, unit uh, leaders. The unit leaders. Thank you. I was trying to come up with something military. Uh, the unit leaders, and they're they're all you guys are all on the same page, which is a beautiful thing. It's like making music, man. Right now, how do you sell that to the kids? Because it's all fine and dandy until the kids buy in. And let's just say we're starting off from scratch. I mean, three years ago, how do you, how did you get that switch to where? Uh, I know offline you had said, oh, yeah, they bought in fully this year at the banquet. We, we congratulated them, you know, on, on the buy-in. How do you get that to happen? Well, again, it's, it's been a three-year journey, and, and we feel like there's still work to do. Um, uh, but, you know, the, the first part, the most important part is getting the, uh, the unit leaders, the, the other men in, in the business, um, you know, bought in because it's a lot easier to sell something if there's a whole bunch of people selling it, you know, um, mm, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I'm the only one trying to, trying to sell the culture, um, you know, and, and guys are going to their position work and they're getting counter cultural messages, then we're not going to have any success. Um, with that said, I, I mean, you know, part of, part of the, um, the growth is in, um, kind of working through the old culture. And again, I, I want to emphasize that, uh, you know, that the culture that I inherited is not inherently bad. It's just inherently different from, from the culture that I brought. And, and yeah, and there's, there's a lot of different cultures, right? I mean, everybody, right. and, and, and I like to say it, it's, it's born of our values. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but it's, it, I believe it's born from our values and everybody's walking with different values. So isn't it like even with your, I was going to call them capos, even with your unit leaders, they still have different values, but where you guys mesh is, is, is where you push it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, and, and so it's easier to get the kids, um, you know, the, the players bought into that. Um, you know, we did something, that I is unique to me this year um, with players. And again, it's, it's, um, it's a function of always evaluating where we are and always evaluating how we can get better. And, and uh, Bob Latisor, I don't know if you uh, know the name, but he's the, the pretty famous De La Salle coach, uh, Mike Hawkins coach, actually, uh, from yeah. way back in the day. 
Um, but uh, I had the good fortune to, to spend some time with he and his staff when I was coaching in Northern California. And I think he actually said this in one of the De La Salle books, but, um, you know, he told me one time that his ax, ax, absolute dream would be to sit in the stands and watch, uh, watch his guys play, just knowing that they're prepared. And, um, you know, I've, I've thought about that. That was probably 15 or 20 years ago that he told me that. And, and I've thought about that in every year and wondered, how do you get to that? Um, and, and um, you know, what I've come to realize is that I have to let go of control. And that's part of, I think, why my coaches have bought in, because I've given them control of building culture in their uh, position group, in their unit, whatever whatever um, area of our program they're responsible for, they're also responsible for the culture of that area and, um, and making sure that that culture aligns with our agreed-upon core values and mission and vision. And um, uh, our coaches do a great job of that. Well, the next step then is um, giving players and, and, you know, letting go of some of the control over players and, um, you know, so this year we, we established what we call the Coalition of Culture, um, which is basically, you know, and, and a lot of people have something similar. It's a player leadership group. Um, but essentially what I did is, is um, I handpicked 12 guys, uh, called them into a, a meeting before we started uh, in the fall, told them that I selected them for this task. And, um, and I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know what it was going to look, look like. But at the end of the day, they were identified as our leaders. They were identified as our leaders, not because they're the best players, because they um, you know, are the best students. They were identified as leaders because in my observation of them over the course of the last, you know, in some cases, two and a half years, um, I've noticed that, that their teammates um, listen to them, that their teammates respect what they have to say. Um, and so I, I left them with, with a couple of uh, hard and cold responsibilities. The first was to grow the coalition. Their job was to identify players who they feel are uh, building culture and, um, and would be good additions to this group uh, in helping us to continue to grow the culture in our program. The, uh, the second was they were going to be responsible for identifying uh, players to uh, represent our team as captains and uh, flag bearers. We, we run out every, every Friday night with uh, three or four different flags, one of which is the American flag. Um, and then the, uh, the, the third part was we have these um, off-season slash preseason chemistry building, culture building kind of sessions we call unity. Um, and those have traditionally been run by me. Last year, we involved uh, our, our assistant coaches, so they ran them mostly. And, I and that, them, that's uh, during the season? That's during the off-season. Off-season, uh, okay. And uh, we've done a couple during the season. But basically, I told the, the coalition guys, your third task is if we need any unity sessions at any time moving forward, it'll be your responsibility to make sure I know that. And, um, and our guys, our players did a great job. The group ended twice as big as it started. We finished with 24 guys. Um, we had JV players on there. We had sophomores, juniors, and seniors on there. We had guys from every position group. We, uh, you know, do they get picked? Do, do, does the, the unity group who's in there pick the new guys to come in? Well, the, the coalition, uh, the, the original 12 guys that were the coalition guys, um, their job was to identify um, players who they felt needed, you know, were, were culture builders and, and were guys that, that would, that, you know, would make our, our coalition of culture, our group, a better group. And um, so I had a list of guys. It's a team within a team, really, right? It is, it's a leadership group within a team. Uh, is what so, and, and, that's you know. interesting because I don't want to be the guy not on the leadership unity group, right? Well, it's funny you say that because you would think it could be it could create some some issues, but it, it because you end up if you think about it, you know what do we do at the beginning of every season or at the end of every season or every week as coaches? We say, okay, so and so is our captain this week, this day, this year. 
Yeah. Um, and and we, we set two, three, four guys aside as somehow they're special, somehow they're unique, somehow uh, they get to be uh, represent you as the captains. And they get a little band on their shirt or whatever that says they're special. Um, and I wanted to get away away from that because we feel like all our players are special. Um, not all are great leaders, though. And, right. And, and so, um, you know, what I, what I told the entire team when I introduced the Coalition of Culture um, was that, you know, my ultimate goal, um, not unlike Bob Latticeur, although I don't know if I want my players calling plays, I, I, I'm still having too much fun calling offense, um, so I don't want to sit in the stands and watch him. Uh, but, you know, not unlike Bob with regard to player ownership, um, you know, my ultimate goal and dream would be that the coalition of culture is, is um, our entire roster. Uh, that before yeah. the season is over, uh, our group has looked at every player at some point and said, Coach, this guy needs to be on this group. Um, well, how do you – can you coach leadership? Can you teach leadership? You know, I, I think you can you can give players um, you can give people responsibilities, and their leadership will take over. Um, uh, you know, quite frankly, I, that that's that's the age old question: Can you teach it? Can you coach it? <laughs> I, I I don't know the answer to that, but what I do know is I've never had a team with better player leadership than this one. And, oh, wow. and I do think I, and I've had some good teams. And in fact, I had a really good team at Damien that reminded me a lot of this team that we just, uh, that we just sent away. Um, but, uh, you know, even on that team, we had two clear captains and they were the guys that were in charge. And fortunately they were good captains. Um, but you know, th- this group, we had, we had our outspoken guys. We had our less outspoken guys. We had guys who would, um, lead by example. We had guys who would uh, get in people's face. We had guys who would be the last one in the locker room just to make sure everything was swept up and picked up. Um, and and all of those are forms of leadership. And uh, you know, and that's kind of how they were selected uh, by me was just identifying guys that that find ways to lead within their own personality. Um, you know, it, the problem is we look at leadership as being fire and brimstone and. Uh, pre-game speeches and yelling and screaming. And sometimes leadership is something as simple as, you know, hey, coach, I want to make sure you lock the door before we leave. We're all out of there, you know. Or, hey, coach, uh, you know, I, I made sure that I swept up the locker room. We're not even telling coach. You go in there and, and there's a guy with a broom in his hand at 7 o'clock at night when everybody else is gone and he's sweeping the locker room, you know. Um, you know, those there's are forms, those are forms of leadership. There's a a line that, and, and since I learned it last spring, I've I've uh, I've looked it up. That uh, the head coach that I serve under, uh, he's he went to the Naval Academy a hundred years ago, <laughs> and uh, he says, you know, there's there's a line there, and they do. He goes, they they make you do the most crazy stuff, you know, that is just as a Human being, you just go, this is ridiculous. But he goes, you know what? If you can't follow, then you can't lead. Mm-hmm. And, uh, boy, that's just stuck with me since he taught me oh, that. It's funny. I've told our players that following is a form of leadership, you know, because yeah. uh, <laughs> because you recognize that this person is more capable of, of leading this particular endeavor. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you are not capable of leading. It just means that you recognize that this person is is better uh, suited to lead this endeavor. Uh, well, and, and that that implies, of course, that and this is why I think football is one of the most glorious games ever invented, because that what you just said implies that there's a mutual goal that everybody's looking to achieve mm-hmm. that goes beyond the selfish indulgences that we might want, right? Absolutely. Well, and I'll tell you, and it, it reveals itself um, most strongly when players face adversity. Um, and, and I, I got to be honest, I had um, two players who had season-ending injuries this year. Um, and, and at some point in the season, they knew they were no longer going to be able to participate, and there was still plenty of games left to play. Um, both happened to be coalition of culture guys, 
and both refused to miss a practice unless it was for rehab. Uh, both um, immersed themselves in the game plan. Both helped their their position coaches uh, in any way that they could. And and they're two guys that we're counting on on Friday nights to to be great for us. But they had to be great in a different way, and and it made those position groups better. Um, I don't know that I've ever had one guy who is you know, out for the season with an injury reasonably early in the year, not miss a practice. But but we had two this year. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, and so they, they actually were contributing even though they weren't able to play. They contributed Correct. to the outcome. That's that's special, man. That's uh and that's because of what you've created through through this culture and and, and selling your values down through and, and this whole coalition. I really you're really sharing some some glorious stuff. I mean, it's just beautiful, and it seems like you're really leveraging all that is great about football, and, and which is 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 team. You know, mm-hmm. uh, God, it's like you said back in the day. Uh, what do we remember? And yeah, I've got a couple plays that's in the highlight reel in my head, but. Other than that, it's like, who cares? You know, I don't remember the wins. I don't remember the losses. But, man, I remember that coach coming up to me and kind of looking at me and just making sure I was okay or that coach yelling at me or that coach or that teammate, you know, uh, walking down the, the, uh, the ramp down to the practice field and walking down with the teammates, you know, the D-line, you know, Nick Holt, you know, and just that smile on his face and that little ornery look on his face like we were yeah. about to get down and do some defense, man. And it just, yeah. to this day, pumps me up. And yeah. so it's, but all of that's a process to get to game day. And, uh, and I think, so I really appreciate you sharing this because it shows the work and meticulous work that is involved to get to where you've got two individuals willing to still participate and, uh, and give of themselves after they can't really get much from it. I mean, they're not playing anymore, and they're still going to give to the rest of the team. That's sure. That's well, just that's beautiful. To their, to their position coaches and, and the expectations that their coaches had laid out from the very beginning and, and uh, you know, the belief that those players had in their position coaches. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's like you say, it's a process and, and it takes a village. And, and uh, you know, I'm fortunate to have a great group of men and, and, uh, and a bunch of young men that, that really want to be a part of something special. Well, listen. Let me. I want to ask a, a couple things, and we're running. We're starting to gonna start running long pretty soon. So, r- really quickly, what's a what's a game week for you like, and what's a what's a uh, what's a practice like typically? Yeah, I mean, you know, the reality is that that we have you know we have our standards. Uh, you know, we're gonna get fundamentals in every day. Um, you know, and, and um, we're going to do what everybody else does in terms of game planning and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the, the, the Friday's payday and everybody wants, you know, we, we're trying to build up to having a bunch of fun on Friday. The reality is we try to work very hard from January to, to August, you know, and, and we build in our rest time in the calendar and all that kind of stuff. But we try to work very hard so that when we get into our game season, our players are um, – you know, informed and prepared. Uh, so, so our game plan is really not so much about adding this new play or that new play, but how do we run our stuff against this group? And it's not adding a new defense or, or it's, it's how do we run our defense against this group? Um, and, and we do the same thing in the, in the special teams. Um, so we spend a lot of time, you know, from January to August uh, installing. Um, and I tell my my assistant coaches and, and we work very hard and I try to model this, but, but we got to have a plan for everything. You know, we, we practiced situations this year that, that just never came up. Um, you know, but, but we had, we had um, plans for, for every possible situation and, and gosh, they came up a couple of times and, and worked out for us. Um, you know, so, so typical practice week is probably not unlike everybody else. 
um, a, a, a typical practice itself. Um, you know, Dick Bruick, a very successful high school coach, um, one of the amazing men who had 298 wins when he or 92 wins when he decided to retire. Uh, he could have coached one more year and gotten 300, but he knew he was done and he retired. Um, incredible man, head coach at Fontana High School and Kaiser before that. Um, he actually um, had a clinic talk about practice segmenting, and um, now everybody's doing it. But in those days, most people were segmenting practice by handing you a, a schedule that said, you know, four to four fifteen stretch, four fifteen to four thirty indoors, four thirty to four forty group work, you know, whatever. We start the clock. Um, we we worked it down to four minute periods. And, um, and we schedule everything around four-minute periods, and the horn blows every four minutes, and we're moving to the next thing. And, um, you know, of course, sometimes certain things take up more than one period. But, but by and large, we're trying to be pretty energetic and move around and um, always evaluating ways to be more efficient and more energetic at practice. Um, you know, so that's kind of a, a typical practice. Uh, I think one thing that, that I, I love about our our Week and it sounds really, really kind of hokey, but um, you know the, the game ends the week. When the game starts, the week is basically over. At that point, the hay's in the barn. You've done all your preparation, and and it's time to go have fun. Um, so we start every game, and it's something that I've done uh, pretty much everywhere I've been. But but it's really taken hold here. Is I give every single coach a hug before the game and tell them I love them. Um, uh, love is a word we use a lot in our program. And, uh, you know, we tell our kids we love them all the time. And um, every time I write a huddle message to our players, I always end it with love you, Coach Mo. And, um, but, but I will tell every coach before every game that I love them and give them a hug. And that has here that has become something that our coaching staff just does automatically. They all hug each other. Um, it's just a big hug fest before every game. <laughs> So. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's, uh, again, that's culture, bro. I mean, that's, that's culture, you know, well, you know I mean, I you're, I, you know, honestly, I can't pay them what they're worth. I tell them that all the time. And, and so, you know, hopefully that hug is worth a couple bucks. Um, and, and the, I love you is worth a couple more because, uh, they certainly put in their time and, and, um, make a lot of sacrifices for our players and, and they deserve to be, you know, appreciated. And, and that's one small way that I can do that. Um, and I'm really, really tickled and honored that, that they have taken that to the next level and, and hug each other, you know, because originally this thing was my thing. I just, I hug all my coaches and tell them thank you, you know. I think that's um, beautiful. I'm a huggy guy, though, so yeah. that's... Uh, <laughs> so that's it's funny, <laughs> when, I get, when I get new guys that aren't huggy guys, they, uh, you know, they, 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 it's interesting, their reaction, but, uh, but they all buy in before the time, before it's all said and done. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you they do. Next thing you know, man, they, they're, all, they're hugging everybody, too. Hey, yeah. uh, let me ask you this. Uh, let's, let's jump back. Uh, you know, uh, you just described very quickly... A, a very busy, busy schedule, a very busy man, and you haven't even talked about your teaching that much and what schedule's like. So you met your wife at our school, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in she, room. in the training room, because she played what sport? She is actually in the Hall of Fame at University of Pacific for field hockey. That's right, right. And your and you have how many kids? I have three. Um, and, my son uh, is 25. Played football at the university at Colgate University. Um, my daughter, who just graduated last spring, uh, played four years of field hockey at uh, Pacific. She actually was the only player in the history of the program, or and maybe in the coaches' history, something like that. She played in every single game that she was eligible for. For four wow. years, she played in every single game. Um, and then my youngest is uh, a 16-year-old junior at Glendora High School, and she's uh, she's committed to play field hockey at the University of Pacific. So, oh, good for you! That is so cool. Yeah. So, okay, so you have a very very busy life as a as a professional football coach in high school, and you have kids that are very busy in sports. How do 
you keep the family going? How do you have family time? How do you stay married? And you guys have been married now how long? Uh, 30 years this July. Congratulations, because that's, these days that's a feat. So I want to just say congrats, but how do you do it when you're such a busy, busy lifestyle on, on all fronts? Well, number one, I have an incredible wife. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, she's, she's uh, an amazing human being. Um, uh, number two, we made, uh, you know, kind of a, a, among our vows, um, you know, to, to be married forever and all of those, uh, those nice things that happen at the ceremony itself. Um, we also made a commitment to one another that there was going to be uh, you, me, and us. And, um, you know, so, so she gets her me time, I get my me time, and we make sure that we always get our us time. And, and there are times of the year where our us time takes a backseat um, and, and it becomes a bit of a challenge. But, uh, but, you know, we make a point in every calendar year that, that we have uh, legitimate us time. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I, I did not pursue the college opportunities that I had as, as a coach. Um, you know, I, I, the first couple of years in this business, I had a couple of opportunities to make that move and, and we had made a commitment to one another. And I, I knew that, that coaching in college was going to make that very tough. Um, mm. She likes to say that she knows I'm going to be, uh, be home every night. And, and by and large, that's true. You know, and, and uh, you know, I don't have to sleep in the office. I'm not on the road recruiting. Um, so we get our time and, and we definitely treasure our time. And, and when we get that time together, it is sans football it is sans field hockey it is uh it is just the two of us and and working on on the the most important relationship in my life good for you that's uh that's beautiful uh i uh i wanted to to pay you props uh by letting you talk about that because that's a big deal and it's also part obviously of of your value system that somehow fits in with hugs and loving people and, <laughs> and yeah. wanting your kids to, to be successful. Um, what, what, one, one question, where's football today and why is football important? Um, you know, quickly, um, I, I, there is no other game. And, and John Gruden said it last night on his uh, Ring of Honor induction. Um, there's nothing that mirrors life like football. It is the greatest game in the world because uh, – you know, you, I think about all of the challenges that I've faced in my life that have nothing to do with football. And, um, you know, my ability to, uh, to deal with those challenges, to overcome them or succumb to them, whatever it might have been, um, is, is pretty much attributable to my experience as a football player and as a football coach. Uh, football is, has really been... Uh, <coughs> been the, the driving force behind a lot of decisions I've made in my life and behind a lot of uh, ways that I've reacted to, to good and bad things that have happened. Um, Tony Dungy says, stay in the middle. I would never have been in the middle as a redhead hothead, um, you know, who went into business, but because I, because I have had so much football experience and the pleasure and, and honor to, to serve as a football coach for all these years. Um, I've had, I've had the opportunity to have contact with guys like Tony Dungy um, and listen to, to his advice. And, and uh, you know, so I, I think it's not just X's and O's and all that kind of stuff. There's so much more um, ingrained in football. <laughs> Excuse me. So it well, is and I uh, think, without I think, a doubt. I think, Coach, as, if, if people are listening to you, they hear somebody who studies. You study the books. You study the great coaches, and you're out there, and, and uh, you're taking uh, advantage of the times that you can get with, with guys that are really doing it at a high level, uh, and you shared with me, I think it was offline, I don't think we recorded this, where you said that you, you spent time out with uh, the Bengals when Coach Jackson was there with Coach Simo. Uh, you spent a week out there and, and other places to, to, to learn. And so I would just like to say uh, that's why I wanted you on here. So hopefully my listeners 
can learn. And it's, as I like to, to say a lot on these things and why I've not bothered to separate my business podcast from my football, because you just demonstrated something that, uh, that any business person can learn from, from how meticulous you are to get to one Friday night of two hours You've already have had, I think you told me since the season ended, you've already had two meetings and you're starting up again in January and you're getting right, you're going right to it and all to get to just two hours on a Friday night at the end of August uh, for your mm-hmm. first game. So yep. that's that's a lesson that we can all learn from. Um, I uh, I just want to say, and if I may, after this uh, this talk, can I call you Coach Mo also? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, All right, I, Coach I, Mo, I I do appreciate your time with us. Is there anything you would like to close with? No, thanks, Tim. I'm I'm honored to have even been considered. Um, and, and oh, please, I love it. You you've uh, you've warmed my heart um, because you were such a a great source of information and also that i know you're my tiger brother i appreciate it bro go tigers go tigers coach mo thank you all right thank you